When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome, everybody, to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Where to begin? Well, we begin in what has been a very, very, very tough season for losing amazing, good superstar players in the National Hockey League. And today, we woke up this morning learning that we lost Guy LaFleur at the age of 70 and Guy is someone that kind of transcends everything right because I don't care how old you are you are familiar with the work of Guy Lafleur and what he was able to do in that dominant Montreal Canadiens era you can just picture him with his blonde hair flowing behind him streaking down the side beating a stand-up goaltender with an amazing wrist shot speed accuracy fast quick shot just an amazing amazing player great ambassador for the sport so a uh, week after we lose Mike Bossy we lose Guy Lafleur and it looks like he died the same way that Mike Bossy did of lung cancer a little bit older we lost Bossy at 65 we lose uh, Guy Lafleur at 70 and I'm 54 years old so I mean I remember him playing with Montreal I remember that 79 Stanley Cup final against the Rangers but one of my more formative memories of him is as a Ranger and as a Quebec Nordique when he came back and and that's what makes him so unique right is that this is a guy that retired from hockey at the age of 33 takes three years off gets inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame and then comes back and plays with the New York Rangers in that 88-89 season and it was cut short to 60 some odd games because of a knee injury but he had 18 goals uh, that year, so it wasn't like he was just kind of on a, you know, a, a goodbye tour. He contributed to a Ranger team that finished in first place that year, and maybe could have made a run had he not had that knee injury. And the story goes that he was playing in an exhibition game during his retirement uh, with some of the Edmonton Oilers, and Mark Messier had reached out to Phil Esposito, who was the general manager of the Rangers at the time, and said, "You know, you got to give Guy a call. This guy can still play." So if you need a forward, you need some scoring, give him a call. Phil did, and Guy returned to uh, the National Hockey League uh, three years after his retirement to play at the age of 37 uh, for the New York Rangers, and as I said, did a good job. Now what happened was that uh, Michelle Bergeron was let go by the Rangers and went and hooked up with the Quebec Nordiques, and Guy went with him and played two more seasons in Quebec, and again, had pretty decent seasons. He actually had 12 power play goals combined in the two seasons he was with the Nordiques, and then he decided, all right, he had enough, he was going to retire, and word has it that the Los Angeles Kings uh, offered him a million dollars. This would have been after the 1990-91 season, so going into the 91-92 season, that the Kings offered him a million dollars to come play for them and to play with Gretzky. He turned it down. The Minnesota North Stars... When the San Jose Sharks came into the league uh, and they did their expansion draft, obviously the Nordiques left Guy Lafleur unprotected and then the Minnesota North Stars gobbled up his rights and tried to coerce him to play in the 
92 season in Minnesota. He declined there and said that he was going to stay retired and he was going to go work for the Quebec Nordique organization. But because his rights were still held by the North Stars, the league wouldn't let him take the job in the front office with the Nordiques unless uh, the, the, the North Stars were compensated. So they had to end up making a trade um, to allow him to play or, or at least be in the Nordiques organization. Just an amazing, amazing player, uh, just a, a, a gentleman of the, of the sport. And we lost him far too early at the age of 70. And it's been a rough couple of weeks here in the National Hockey League, losing some legends. First, Mike Bossy. And then uh, Guy Lafleur, very similar players, obviously, and um, played around the same era again. Guy was five years older, but still they played. They were contemporaries and two of the great goal scorers in the history of this sport, and we lose them basically in the same week. So um, thoughts and prayers go out to the Lafleur family and, of course, to the Montreal Canadiens organization, the New York Rangers and the Quebec Nordiques, the three teams that he played for in a stellar Hall of Fame career. And the oddity of a Hall of Famer returning to the National Hockey League and playing three more seasons is something that was pretty cool. It was also great too because he didn't wear a helmet because he played in you know, he played in an era where you didn't have to wear a helmet, and he didn't wear it. And most of his um, teammates and the players that he played against did. So it was kind of odd to watch that, but uh, it was really great to see him uh, locally for that one year here in New York, and then going back to uh, the province of Quebec to finish out his career with the Nordiques. Uh, pretty amazing, and I think a lot of Ranger fans will remember his return to um, the Montreal Forum that one year he came back with the Rangers in a, in a game that the Rangers lost, but he did score a couple of goals, and uh, the fans chanting Guy and the standing ovation that he got when he entered the ice, and they were cheering for him. Very reminiscent to the reception that uh, Eddie Jockerman got when he came back to Madison Square Garden as a member of the Detroit Red Wings. So just an amazing, uh, amazing player, and so thoughts and prayers uh, go out to him. Metropolitan Division has still not been decided. For a fraction of a second, Ranger fans thought they'd have sole possession of first. They're on their way to beating the Islanders last night 6-3, to and the Hurricanes were down 2-0 to uh, the Winnipeg Jets, and then what did the Hurricanes do? They do what the Hurricanes do. They score four straight goals, beat the Jets 4-2, so status quo atop the Metropolitan Division. Rangers have the same amount of wins, same amount of points, but... Hurricanes do have one more regulation victory. These two teams are going to hook up on Tuesday, so that might be where the division's decided. Clearly, the Rangers have the more difficult schedule. The Rangers have four games left. They're going to be in Boston tomorrow for a matinee against the Bruins. That game can be seen on ABC television. And the Rangers return home for three games, all three on home ice, where they'll take on the Hurricanes on Tuesday, and that'll be a huge game. Then the second of back-to-backs against Montreal on Wednesday, and they'll close it out Friday against the uh, Capitals. So really the only easy game of the four would be the Montreal game. Now you take a look at what's left on the schedule for Carolina, and it's a little easier. They've got two games with the New Jersey Devils. They'll be in New Jersey for a 12:30 start tomorrow, so the Rangers will kind of know their situation when they enter the ice against Boston. Second of back-to-backs against the Islanders. Now, the Islanders have been putting up a fight, but much like the beginning of the season, injuries. Um, Anthony Beauvillier uh, didn't play last night because of, a, of an injury. Uh, Pajot was put on COVID protocol, so it's that whole gag again that the Islanders have to go through like they did in the beginning of the season. So they're shorthanded, so we'll see 
what they can do there. Then the Ranger game, and then their last game of the season is going to be home against the Devils. So clearly the easier schedule belongs to Carolina. So if I had to guess, I, I it, it does look like to me that it's going to be the Carolina Hurricanes that are going to win that division. And the Rangers did get uh, the two points tonight. They were a point away from clinching no lower than two in the Metro. Pittsburgh wins last night 4 nothing against Boston. But don't kill the Bruins. They had 52 shots on goal. Casey DeSmith, uh, DeSmith was amazing. Makes 52 saves. So Pittsburgh wins. So Pittsburgh is settled into the three. The only thing they can change there is Washington. Washington sits two points back with a game in hand. And Washington's going to be in Arizona coming up tomorrow, while the Penguins are going to be in Detroit. So both will have easy games. And that's a chance that where Washington can still end up catching uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, Washington, as we mentioned, will finish up the season uh, on the road against the um, New York Rangers. So here's the rest of their schedule. They'll finish up their Western swing, a four-game road trip that saw them take on Montreal, Colorado, Vegas, and now they'll be in Arizona uh, tonight. Then they come home for Toronto, the Islanders, then they'll be at the Islanders, and then the second back-to-backs against the Rangers. So that's what the Pittsburgh Penguins are looking at. So not the easiest of schedules, but not impossible either. Uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins, on the other hand, taking a look at their last remaining games on the schedule, the Pittsburgh Penguins will be home for Detroit on Saturday afternoon, then the second of back-to-backs in Philly, then they come home for Edmonton and Columbus. So I think Pittsburgh's got a little bit of the easier schedule. So this might be where it ends up where you're going to have Carolina win the division. Rangers and Pittsburgh will be that first-round matchup. Washington's only two points back of Boston with the same amount of games played. Now, the tiebreaker clearly goes to Boston. So the Capitals would have to beat Boston outright, but there's a chance that Carolina could play Boston, Carolina could play Washington, Carolina could play Pittsburgh. We still only have a week. A week from today is when the season's going to end, and we already know our playoff teams in the East, but none of the matchups are completely set. So we'll see how it all goes from there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So the Rangers double up the Islanders 6-3. to Kreider gets his 51st of the season. Panarin, four more points. Panarin's got 96 points, trying to become the first Ranger to score 100 points since Yager had 123 back in 05-06. And Yager, um, Panarin's also got 74 assists. That's the most ever in the history of the Rangers organization as a forward. Uh, the, the record was shared by Messier and Gretzky. Each had 72 assists. So Panarin blew by that last night. And Panarin's now third all-time. Top of the list is Leach with 80, Zuboff with 77. So with four games left in the way Panarin is playing, he may end up with the Rangers' record for assists in a season. So Kreider's had a year. Panarin's had a year. Zabanajad's got the most points of his career. Alexander Georgiev won his seventh consecutive game last night, although the Rangers' streak ended. They had not allowed a goal in 200 minutes and 43 seconds. 
until they gave up the Nelson goal early in the second period. But things really clicking for the Rangers as they've won seven of eight and four in a row. And we mentioned the Pittsburgh win, the Hurricanes win as well. Meanwhile, out west, tough loss for Vancouver. They were hanging in last night in their game against uh, the Wild, where the game was tied at three going into the third period. But the Wild, three unanswered goals. Fiala had two on the night. So Calgary not mathematically eliminated, but that's a tough loss for them. Uh, Campbell didn't play last night for the Toronto Maple Leafs, so... They went with the young goaltender, and they got crushed last night as Calgren gives up all eight goals as the Tampa Bay Lightning beat up on the Maple Leafs by the final score of 8-1. to one. Flames double up the Stars 4-2. to Two 100-point scorers for the Calgary Flames this year. Kachuk and Gaudreau are having amazing seasons, and Markstrom has played terrific as well. So Calgary, the only team to clinch a playoff spot in the Pacific Division. They're cruising now 106 points plus 84 goal differential. This is a quietly good team. They may not be getting the attention that the Floridas and the Colorados and the Carolinas get, but this Calgary team is very, very, very good. They're 8-1-1 in their last 10. We'll see where they fall in the top five. But the focus right now is about who is going to get that last playoff spot. I think Nashville's in great shape. They haven't clinched yet. They already got 93 points as the first wild card. Dallas with 91. Vegas caught a break the other night. They win in overtime with the Washington Capitals, so they sucked themselves back into this. 89 points to Dallas's 91. Both teams have played 78 games. Now here's the difference. Regulation wins. First tiebreaker belongs to Vegas, 33-29. to So Vegas has the tiebreaker pretty much going away right now. So if Vegas can just be that much better, and Dallas has lost three in a row, Vegas might be able to continue their streak of never missing the postseason in franchise history. Vancouver, not dead yet, but a tough one last night. 87 points. They're four points back, and they've got more regulation wins than Dallas, so they still have a pulse, but that's about it. Just Vegas and Vancouver right now. Vegas will be home against San Jose for the next game. Vancouver is going to be at Calgary. Dallas is home for Seattle. So things looking good for the Stars to break that streak, although Seattle has come off a victory over Colorado recently, so you never know. So it is going to be very, very interesting down the stretch. Take a look at the games tonight with meaning. That uh, Edmonton home for the Colorado Avalanche, Capitals at the Arizona uh, Coyotes, and then the Wild still you know battling for position. They'll be home for uh, the Seattle Kraken. Minnesota sits in second place. They can't catch Colorado, but if they want home ice against St. Louis, they want to win that game against Seattle, break their tie with the Blues, and this is their game in hand, Minnesota. So we'll see how that works out for them. The tiebreaker goes to St. Louis, so Minnesota's going to have to beat them outright if they want home ice advantage. It looks to be destined to be a wild blues matchup in the first round of the playoffs, and I think that is going to be a lot of fun. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Before we go to your tweets at, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, let's go to this week's top five. Don LaGreca's Friday Top Five. And you always start from the bottom, and now we're here. We're going to start with number five. Number five. I'm going to put the Rangers in the mix there with their four-game winning streak. They've won seven of their last eight, seven, two, and one in their last ten, just coming off shutting out opponents three consecutive games. Both Georgiev and Shosturkin have played tremendous. Kreider cooled down as far as goals are concerned, but he's still adding assists. Fox has gotten hot after four straight games without a point, but Panarin has just been unbelievable. Rangers have multiple 70 assist scores on the team for the first time in forever. Uh, The New York Rangers, to me, are on the uptick, and I've got them in the top five at five. Number four. Carolina Hurricanes just average over the last 10 games at 5-5, five and five, but that was a nice comeback against a spunky Winnipeg Jet team to maintain first place in the division. Plus 68 goal differential is just outstanding. 18 better than the Rangers, who are right on their heels for the division. Um, they've got so much going for them, Carolina. They can play any way you want to play it. You want to play physical? Great. You want to open it up and play offense? Great. On the days the Carolina Hurricanes win, they still put a ton of shots on goal. Opportunities are certainly there. They don't rely on one guy. Ajo is probably their best offensive player, but there's so many other guys that contribute as well. The goaltending has hung on. I mean, the Anderson injury is interesting. They said he's going to be back in about a week. We'll see if he'll be available for that Ranger game on Tuesday. Otherwise, Ronta has done a serviceable job. I've got Carolina at number four. Number three. Got Colorado down just a tick with a couple of consecutive losses. But listen, they've got the second-best goal differential in the National Hockey League of plus 86. They've only lost five games in regulation all year uh, at home. They are uh, an outstanding, outstanding team and a dangerous team as well. But a little bit of a slippage the last couple of games, including a, uh, a loss to the Kraken, which was maybe a little disturbing. But when you think about it, they've already run away with the division, and I don't think they care that much about the President's Trophy, so I've got Colorado at three. Number two. Giving a little love to those Calgary Flames. Like I said, they're sneaky. Don't pay attention to 106 points because, you know, they had some injuries earlier in the year. They are getting better. Plus 84 goal differential is the third best in the NHL. 8-1-1 in their last 10. They can win on the road. They can win at home 24 each. And as I mentioned, Kachuk and Gaudreau, both with 100 points this year, as well-rounded. They remind me a lot of Carolina in the sense that they can play any way you want to play it. I've got the Calgary Flames right now at number two. Number one. Do they play great defensively? No. Is their goaltending unbelievable? No. And and maybe that's the reason why this team will not win the Stanley Cup. But right now, the Florida Panthers are the best team in the NHL. You can't touch them at home. 33-6 and on the year. They have won 12 consecutive games. Now, what disturbs you about them is the fact they give up a lot of goals. But you know what? They score a ton because even though they give up a lot of goals, they still have a plus 103 goal differential, which is the best in the NHL by far. Barkoff is having an amazing season for them. Huberdeau might win the Hart Trophy. And you look at games where they'll, they'll be down three, four goals and still come back and win. Now, that's not a message. That's not a recipe for winning in the postseason. 
But right now, it's hard to say they're not the best team in the National Hockey League. I've got the Florida Panthers at number one. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, let's close out the week with your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We start with David Hine, who says, Don, glad to see the pod is back and you're feeling back to normal. Since Doc has been gone for close to two seasons... Who would you say takes the mantle as the voice of hockey in the U.S.? Would you lean towards Kenny Albert, John Butchergrass, Steve Levy? No offense to Leaves or Butchergrass, but this is still new. ESPN been gone for like 20 years, and those guys are great voices. Kenny's been consistent, working big games for NBC along with Doc. He was Doc's understudy, now has taken over as the main voice of TNT. I would probably lean towards him. Brendan Burke, I think, has become a mainstay also working at NBC and now moving over and doing games um, nationally for TNT, getting those second games of the doubleheader. TNT has moved him also to the spotlight of the first game of the doubleheaders on Wednesday. You're going to hear both Kenny and Brendan really bring it for TNT. And in ESPN, of course, Butcher Gross and Levy go back a long way, but I probably would give the nod to Kenny and Burke just because they've been more consistent over the last few years. Listen, I'm a Levy guy. I remember all those games he did with Panger back in ESPN, and very soon I think they will emerge as big-time names as well. But those are the names that kind of jump out at me right now as the guys that can be in line to be the voice of U.S. hockey the way Doc Emmerich was. Uh, Ron Pizza says, with another embarrassing night last night, my question is, what changes can you see coming? Of course, talking about the New Jersey Devils. With Subban's big contract expiring, is it a quality goaltender or do they need something else? Can't see them firing staff. Thanks. I think they'll stick with the staff. They've been very, very patient. They've got a lot of good young players. They can score. They just got to make sure that they can keep Hughes healthy. I think the blue line's good as well. They desperately need goaltending. They haven't had it in a while. Uh, Nothing has worked. They've had seven different goaltender start games for them this year. I don't know if they'll go after Alexander Georgiev, especially if he plays well the rest of the season. He might be somebody. Do they make a trade? I can see good things on the horizon with this team. They've got to get a goaltender. That's definitely key. Marco says, I'm not concerned with any matchup the Rangers get in the first round, but in your opinion, which would be the best matchup for the Rangers? Well, I mean, you look at the way they played against Pittsburgh all year. The only game they lost was back in the first meeting. They lost one nothing. Otherwise, they handled them pretty well in the next three. However, in one game, the last game, there was no Crosby. The game before that, there was no Malkin. So clearly, Pittsburgh healthy is dangerous. All right, Rangers can win on the road as well as home, so that probably doesn't matter. You look at Washington. They played them twice, handled them the last time they played them. The first meeting, Capitals won running away. They'll play at the end of the season. Not sure that's going to be any kind of measuring stick because if there's no movement for either team, you may not see anybody play in that game. Um, Tampa could be a possibility. Bo- I, I look at, again, I guess you could throw Boston into the mix as well because the Rangers can win the division. I look at it, and I felt this way for a long time, Give me a matchup of the Washington Capitals. Their goaltending has been shaky. 
Um, I think the Rangers have the blue line that can at least contain Ovechkin. Um, Again, I'm not wishing for it only because, you know, be careful what you wish for from a Rangers standpoint. But of all the possibilities, I think Washington might be the best matchup. But again, Washington's healthy now. Oshie's been healthy. Wilson, of course, is a pain, although they did they can counteract that with the acquisition of Reeves. So I think the Rangers are a lot tougher than they were last year. But you, when you have Tampa, Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington, probably Washington, then Boston. Rangers will play Boston coming up tomorrow with a chance to sweep the season series. So I probably would Boston in the mix as well. Let's see. Richard says, Don, about your comment Wednesday, the Metro is toughest division. I think there's been some parity developing. Um, consider Atlantic with Panthers, Leafs, Lightning, Bruins, and Central with Avalanche, Blues, Wild, and even Predators and Stars. Glad you're back. Listen, it's am I biased maybe just because I do my work within the division? But you take a look. Carolina can win the Cup, right? Rangers are obviously in the conversation. You know how good Pittsburgh is. Washington's a very good team. The Islanders, they went to the the third round back-to-back years. They had a tough year this year because of injuries, COVID, all the games they started on the road. Islanders are a good team. And then you look at the Blue Jackets are probably going to finish over NHL 500. And the Devils are up and coming. So, I look at the Atlantic Division, yes, the Panthers are the best team in the NHL. Yes, Boston's a perennial playoff team. Yes, Toronto's having a resurgent year, and they're right up there in points with the Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. I get it. But Ottawa's been inconsistent all year. The Montreal Canadiens have been one of the worst teams in the NHL all year. Buffalo is up and coming and playing better. Congratulations to uh, Owen Powers, who picked up his first National Hockey League goal last night. But certainly in the beginning of the season, they were a patsy. So was Detroit. Uh, You look at the Central Division. uh, I will give you the Central Division is an outstanding division. But I don't know if I'd put a lot of the teams that you're giving credit for um, that they would do so well in the East. Because you look at some of the point totals of these uh, divisions, and you know Minnesota, 105 points. St. Louis, 105 points. Would they have that if they played in the East? Nashville, we're talking about a 93-point team. Washington uh, has more more points than that. Pittsburgh has more points than that. Dallas, rather inconsistent. You know, and you look at Winnipeg; they're going to finish uh, around. They, they, Winnipeg's kind of like the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, Chicago's in a rebuilding year, way off the pace, and Arizona's been right there with Montreal as one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. So, And the Pacific Division is good as well. Um, but obviously you had an expansion team in Seattle. Boy, was I off that maybe the Sharks could be sustainable. They've had a miserable second half of the season. So has Anaheim. Pacific there as well. But I'm going to stand pat. I think um, pound for pound the Metropolitan Division is the toughest division in the National Hockey League. Let's go to James who says, Welcome back, Don. Do you think the Cops' success so far sways the Rangers to re-sign him over Strom this summer? Given the tight cap situation, they'll be in start. They'll be starting next season. So, do you think either contract would, would either contract would look like? I love Cop. Now, Cop, I think, because of the hat trick last night, he had three goals in the first period. Third Ranger ever to score three goals in the first period. First time since Kelly Kissio in 1986. But, and he can play center, but Strom with that line with Panarin is really clicking. I think I want to sign Strom over Cop. Now, as far as what the money's concerned, we'll talk to EJ on Monday. We'll bring him back into the fold and think of the money situation. I like Cop. 
you know, Cops scored 20 for the first time. Strom scored 20 last night for the first time. But the fact that Strom is a center with such chemistry on that second line with Panarin, um, and that really that whole line has been good. I'd like to be able to keep the both, but we'll see if that's going to be something that they're going to be able to do. And this is why Pavel Bushnevich is playing for the St. Louis Blues right now because the Rangers knew eventually they're going to have to pay some of their players. And even though Bushnevich has had a great year in St. Louis, I think uh, there's no question that they did the right thing by trading him away. Ozzy says, welcome back, Don. Where do you stand with Matthews' 51 goals in 50? Is it lessened since it wasn't from the start of the season? Personally, not a fan of moving the goalposts to suit the narrative. Plus, I also think Matthews will do it from the start of the season. It is interesting, right? 50 goals in 50 games. But he did score 51 goals in 50 games. They just didn't turn out to be the first 50. It is the same feat when you think about it, but it doesn't have the cachet. It's like you hit three home runs and a double. It's a big game. You hit for the cycle. It's for the cycle because it's their symmetry, their symmetry and their symmetry the first 50 games. But what Matthews did is amazing. They've got to get Matthews healthy. He didn't play last night. So all these all these stats go back to zero once you get into the playoffs, and at least I'm going to be able of the first round. But I, I look at what Matthews has done is just amazing, and I look at the fact that you are going to look, you're going to see what, for the first time in a long time, what, four 100-point scorers, that are American-born, just off the top of my head, Matthews with 100 points, uh, Giroux with 100 points, Kachuk's got 100 points. I think I'm missing another guy. If Anthony can think of it, give it to me in my ear. J.T. Miller doesn't have 100, does he? Oh, yeah, J.T. Miller could be that guy, obviously, from Ohio. He's got seven points to get, so that would be pretty bad. He's got 93 points, J.T. Miller. That is pretty amazing. Um, Brady says, do you think Drury will sign Cobb over Strom this summer? We already talked about that. Um, Mark says, most Ranger fans talk about 10, 20, 23, and 31. And obviously he's talking about Panarin, Kreider, Fox, and Shesterkin. I think we really need to put some praise to 93, and that's Sabanajad. He is quietly carrying this team in every aspect of the game. This is the number one center leader a team needs to win, and it's awesome to watch him game in and game out. Thoughts? Listen, he doesn't have the stats to pop out, although... Was it 78, 79 points that he has is the most that he's ever had in his career. But when you're talking about, you know, Kreider 51, when you're talking about the 96 points that the Panarin has, the amazing stats Fox has coming off a Norris Trophy and then Shesterkin, most likely the Vesna Trophy winner, um, those that's why those four guys get the attention. But Sabanajad has been amazing this season. And you're right, he's the one that puts it all together. The center on the top line to let all those guys get going, and uh, it's really been amazing to watch. And isn't that something to show you how good this Ranger team is, that we can go five deep in stars. Seriously, five deep. Panarin's legit. All right, Kreider's had this surprise season, but he's been a really good player for this team, and and 51 goals is no joke in this day and age. Fox won the Norris, and you know Shesterkin's going to win the Vesna. And then what what Zabanajad is, without maybe the hardware, still a, a, a star player. David B. says the Pens have been sliding a bit, but had a good win last night. They played better against Florida this year than New York, so do you think they could be better matchup for them? <sighs> Here's the thing about Florida, and it's so unfair because they've been so good this year, but they give up a lot of goals, and this is a team that has not been out of the first round since they, they made that miracle run to the Stanley Cup final in 1996. And I know none of those players are left. Different ownership, different building even. But... Um, 
you still got to prove it to me. You still got to show it to me. And I just worry about that goaltending, and I worry about their defense. And that, but you know, that's a team that you know Pittsburgh. I don't know how good Pittsburgh is because they can't seem to keep everybody healthy at the same time. But when healthy, Crosby still's got something in the tank. Malkin, Latang, Gensel's had a resurgent year. A couple of uh, games with with. Uh, with hat tricks, he's got 40 goals now on the season. Rust has always been a pain in the rump. I mean, that's a really good team that uh, makes me think that I'd rather take Juan Washington than Pittsburgh if I'm a Ranger fan because of, uh, of of that. But they're also a team that hasn't been able to get out of the first round in a few years either. So you got to think about that. Uh, Jimmy says the Rangers seem to be peaking at the right time as we approach the playoffs, and I'm glad Gallant is not resting anyone. To me, keeping the momentum going into the postseason is critical for this team. Do you agree? I like the fact they're battling for first place. I like the fact they're playing well. Now, there's four games left. Obviously, a lot to play for definitely in the next two against Boston and against Carolina. But could I see, now that they've at least clinched second, that say they stumble tomorrow, lose to Carolina, and first place is done, could I see some resting of players against Montreal and Washington? Could I see that? Kreider hadn't scored a goal in, what, four or five games before scoring last night on the power play. Certainly Fox has never played this game the many games before. Lafreniere did get a healthy scratch a couple of weeks ago, but does he get a little bit of a rest here? Um, Heedle uh, left the game in the third period with, I think, a lower body injury. Is he somebody that maybe you don't see again the rest of the year? They won't rush Kako back. He's out tomorrow, Heedle, so that kind of tells you that he may not be back, and I don't think Kako's going to be back until the playoffs either, so I think the Rangers will give it the old college try the next two to kind of keep the division alive. But I think if they go in to that Montreal game on Wednesday um, where it's either mathematically eliminated from first place or it doesn't look like it's going to happen, then maybe those last two games at home you'll kind of see a little bit of a different lineup. But you don't want to push it. You don't want to see guys get hurt. But still, I would be very, very careful um, just mailing in games either. So I like what's going on right now, but there's still a week left in the season. Let's close it out with Chris, who says, Hi, Don, with a three-game winning streak and an 8-1-1 record in their last 10. Are the Oilers quietly becoming a team nobody will want to play in the playoffs? Well, certainly the goaltending is always going to be a question. But you know, when you look at Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, those guys getting hot, Edmonton can be a real pesky team. But, but Edmonton... Is kind of like Washington in, in, in a sense that there are times like, oh my God, that team is going to be incredible. And then there's like weeks where you're like, God, this team can't get out of its own way. Why? Because both teams have had inconsistent goaltending. So if you go into a series with poor goaltending in the playoffs, you've got zero shot, none. So it all depends on when you're catching the goaltending with those two teams. That's why I don't think either team can make a run because eventually the goaltending will get exposed. Look at you, Florida. You're in that same boat. Uh, maybe even Colorado can be in that boat too for sure um but Edmonton I love them I'd love to see them make a run um I think they're a team you don't want to play unless their goaltending's off and then they'd be exactly who you want to play all right it was a lot of fun thanks everybody for coming back we had the long hiatus but we got a couple of podcasts back to back here so a chance to kind of get you guys back in I'll be doing the pre and post for the Rangers on 9870 ESPN New York tomorrow as they play the Bruins in Boston. The game will be on Channel 7 locally, ABC nationally, and also on ESPN+. Plus. I'll be back with you again on Monday. We'll try to hook back up with EJ Raddick as we go into the final week of the regular season. Thanks so much. If you want to get in touch with me, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We will talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. 
This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. 